Welcome back, everyone, to episode 74 of Life in Lit. We are starting off spooky season, one of our favorite seasons and times for reading because there are just so many good cozy fall reads and scary thrillers to get you in the fall mindset. So we are kicking off with a thriller from a repeat author this week. We are diving into spooky season with The House Across the Lake by Riley Sager. Before we dive in, I'm Sydney. And I'm Paige. And this is Life and Lit. I'm so excited. I'm I'm so excited. I feel like we have such a strong lineup. I mean, starting with last week, let's just include last week with Self for Forgetting. What a great kickoff. But I think we have such a strong lineup of books. Like, we keep switching them out, adding them on. We're like, let's not skip a week this month. Like, this is our favorite month. Like, we cannot decide what books to talk about. And there's just so many options. And it's like, it's just the best time for reading. The weather has finally turned Yes. All of these books that we're doing, like, got to my library at the same time, which normally would stress me out, but I've just been loving curling up on my porch swing with a book, reading, getting in the f- total fall mindset. So I'm super excited for this month. And me this book, this was too. a good one. This was a good one. It's going to be excellent, an excellent discussion. And we all know I love an unreliable narrator and this one delivered. <laughs> yes. It for sure. Talk about not being able to trust anybody. No, I was like live texting you the whole time because you finished this a few days before I did. And you text me like, I cannot wait for you to get to this twist. So then I was already amped up. Like I already knew I've read several of Riley Sager's books and I liked them all. So I knew that it was going to be a reliable, great thriller. But after you sent me that, I was like, "Ooh, here we go. And I was just texting you all of my theories nonstop. Yes. Yeah. I, I can't wait to talk about it because we did one other back in the spring. It was my first Riley Sager. It's the only other one I've read by this mm-hmm. author. And the king of the plot twist, let me tell you, like, it's always out of left field. And it just throws me. Like, this one, I texted you. I was like, I'm right about the twist. Like, I can't believe it. Like, I'm always so so proud of myself. I was so proud of myself because we got to a point in the book where I was like, yeah, I'm right. Like, look look at me go. And, like, 50 pages later, I was like, I could not be more wrong. Like, holy crap. (laughs) And I texted you. I was like, I was wrong. Like, (laughs) I will will put it out there that I was actually wrong about this. But I don't know how anybody could guess this twist. No, definitely not. So hopefully we have piqued your interest with this intro, but I will go ahead and do a summary of The House Across the Lake by Riley Sager. Casey Fletcher, a recently widowed actress trying to escape a streak of bad press, has escaped to the peace and quiet of her family's lake house in Vermont. Armed with a pair of binoculars and several bottles of bourbon, she passes the time watching Tom and Catherine Royce, the glamorous couple living in the house across the lake. They make for good viewing. A tech innovator, Tom is powerful, and a former model, Catherine is gorgeous. One day on the lake, Casey saves Catherine from drowning, and the two strike up a budding friendship. 
But the more they get to know each other, and the longer Casey watches, the more it becomes clear that Catherine and Tom's marriage isn't as perfect as it seems. When Catherine suddenly vanishes, Casey immediately suspects Tom of foul play. What she doesn't realize is that there's more to the story than meets the eye, and that the shocking secrets can lurk beneath the most placid of surfaces. Packed with sharp characters, psychological suspense, and gasp-worthy plot twists, Riley Sager's The House Across the Lake is the ultimate escapist read. No lake house required. Okay, so there you have it. That's a quick summary of The House Across the Lake. Press pause if you want to go read it for yourself and come back and hear our thoughts. Or continue on and listen as we spill the plot and the big plot twist. This is your official spoiler alert. So we start off with Casey. Uh, Like we said in the summary, she has gone to her family's lake house in Vermont. And she's hiding there after some very bad press. Like her, she's recently widowed. She hasn't come to terms with it. She's spiraling and the latest bad press about her like they were talking about how she was you know drinking she became an alcoholic like she even went so far as to like just like they drink publicly um without caring like on purpose she's like oh they and, want like, pictures i'm gonna give them pictures yeah yeah and she like flipped but, off the paparazzi yeah it. but uh, it all kind of came crashing down on her when she showed up to a performance of her Broadway play drunk and she walks out on stage and promptly passes out because she was so mm-hmm. drunk. So she was quickly fired from that play and her mother, who is also a famous Broadway actress, sends her to the lake house alone um, to kind of ride out this wave of bad press, which is like, it's just a bad idea to send somebody who is an alcoholic and obviously spiraling after all these events in her life to be just completely alone mm-hmm. and secluded like, yeah like i'll call you once a day like mom that's not enough but casey yeah. also refused to go to a treatment facility so i guess this is their compromise i don't know but an excellent setting for a thriller yes and added to that is that you mentioned that Casey is a widow and she's a widow because her husband died in a drowning accident at this lake house. So it's like yes. extra twist, Double which that's, that's revealed pretty early on. But I was just like, that's even worse to send yes. her back to the scene of her trauma where she hasn't been yes. for a year. And I was just and like, again, oh, alone. how do you think that's going to help? Yeah. And her mom was like, we cleaned out the house of all alcohol. Like she's going to have her ways where there's a will, there's a way. Okay. Um, So of course, Casey has a very expensive, very impressive stash of alcohol waiting for her there. But that's another thing about like the lake that they're at. It's like a very small secluded, but also like, I don't know, high end lake. Like everyone there has money and, or they're famous. Like, or, you know, it's, like, been handed down through generations. But, like, you know, my dad was a banker. My mom was a model. Like, we're an actress. Like, it's everyone exclusive. there is, yeah, that's the word I could not come up with earlier. <laughs> that was that long pause. Um, but, yeah, so it's just all these impressive lake houses, all these very exclusive, pretentious people um, And it's the together. kind of place where 
they're most people it's their like their summer homes for the wealthy yes and so it's really especially in the off season which where they're coming up on the off season there's only one guy who lives there year round and all the other houses are empty so it's it's not like the fun bustling lake house it's right supposed to be like peaceful like it sounds like a great R&R trip. I would absolutely go. Not after reading this book, but like the idea is there. Yeah. But it definitely see how that is like harmful for Casey as an alcoholic dealing with a spiral. So nevertheless, yeah. that's our setting. It makes for great literature and entertainment, of course. But this book opens up with Casey talking to a detective and she's being questioned about her neighbors across the lake asking when the last time she had seen any of them. And she's like, oh, you know, I Catherine's gone and I haven't seen her husband since whatever. And the detective's like, are you sure? Like, you haven't seen anybody recently? And she's like, no. I, you know, I was watching them this morning because the detective knows which that's a little creepy fact is that Casey yeah. watches the house across the lake with binoculars and the detective knows this. So she's like, have you been watching them today? What have, you know, are you sure you don't know anything? What have you seen? Yeah. Yeah. And Casey plays in a sense says, no, I don't know. And then the detective leaves and it cuts to Casey going upstairs and walking into her room and seeing a, man bound up on the bed who you assume is the missing husband yeah so it just starts off on a bang and that's that's now that's present day and then it flips back and forth to the past which you know how we love a dual timeline yes um, this one will be a little easier to retell though <laughs> yes but just because right it's all within like five days yeah yeah, but right from the get-go, Riley Singer, like, grabs your attention with that opener because you just want to know how they got here and what is happening. Because, like we, like you mentioned in the top, like, you can tell Casey's probably an unreliable narrator, the alcoholism, the unsteady mind, like, yeah. you don't know who to trust. And so you don't, you don't trust her from this opening scene and you want to know how you got there. Yes. And I actually read this book. So a couple weeks ago, some friends and I went to a beach in Delaware for the day. It's like a quick, you know, day trip from DC. And I brought this with me to read. And they were also invested in this book, which I thought was hilarious because I just I started that. it. It was maybe 20 pages in. And they're like, oh, like, what's it about? And I told them. And then like periodically throughout the day, they're like, okay, catch us what? Catch us up. But like, what's happening now? Like, did the husband do it? You know, like they were invested in it too. <laughs> I love that. That's the Yeah, best. absolutely. So we flip back to, you know, earlier in the, the end of the season and Casey's been sent to the house to detox, get her life together. And she's sitting out on her back deck when she hears a commotion down in the water and she sees someone struggling down in the water and like shouting and she can see a hand go under and so she jumps into action to go to save this person which is very noble while being drunk i'll add in yeah so yeah. that's just like she's a functioning wow. alcoholic at this point <laughs> yeah and i guess your adrenaline kicks in with something like that yeah but it's also 
crazy. But she can see her neighbor down in the water, the body of her neighbor, and she thinks that she's dead and that she's drowned. So Casey takes her boat out to try and help her or rescue her. And when she gets out there, she realizes that she's still alive. So she pulls her in, saves her from drowning. They have this, like, it's like a meet-cute connection, but for friends. Yeah. Yes. And the woman wakes up and is like, what happened? And Casey said, I think you almost drowned. And from right then, they kind of become friends. And, yeah, you know. This is Catherine. Yeah, this is Catherine Royce, who is the person that is missing, like, in the beginning. Like, you kind of find out that at the beginning. So this is how they meet. Mm -hmm. Um, But Catherine Royce is this successful supermodel turned humanitarian, and she's married to the CEO of a tech company, and his name is Tom. So, you know, Catherine and Casey, you know, hit it off, like you said, Casey takes Catherine home on her boat. Um, you know, they catch up a little bit. Catherine introduces her to Tom. And then they kind of go about their business. And Casey, you know, thinks about her the rest of the day. Like, that's a major event that happens. You know, she she drinks a little bit more. Um, her neighbor, Eli, he's like the old widow who lives there year-round and kind of watches everybody's houses. He, like picks up supplies for Casey's. He is her enabler with the alcohol. Is that to say? Eli was the only one I did the entire time, which I know you didn't. um, Which is interesting. I didn't. Um, But I had a good feeling about Eli. And so he like, he's coming over, he's dropping off supplies. So she opens some wine. They're having a little mixer. And then like Catherine and Tom come over with some more wine to be like, you know, thank you for saving my wife. And she's like, thank you for saving me. And they all kind of get to know each other more over mm-hmm. a lot of expensive wine. Like, yeah, like $5,000 like $5, a bottle. Yeah. Yeah. Which <laughs> I just blew my mind. want to know what that would taste like. But also, it can't, I, don't I just had like a $7 bottle of wine from Trader Joe's and it was pretty good. I'm not going to like, I can't well, imagine that's what I'm saying. Like, how much I've, better it could be. I know. And like, I've been to Napa Valley and had a glass of wine that was like, stupid expensive just for a glass. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's wine. It's fine. It's yeah. not, you know, I'm not snobby enough to know like the tannins and where all like, oh, no. Whatever. I'm no. just like, does it taste good? Yes or no? I'll stick with my cheap stuff. But I still yes. would just, I don't know. I would just love to know what that's like. Um, would love a But sip. they're all having a good time until Tom or Eli starts telling a story about the lake, like some folklore about the lake. Mm-hmm. And that um, some of the like indigenous tribes of the area or of before um, the lake was settled, had lore about the lake. And they thought that spirits could live on in the water and then inhabit, like, other bodies. They thought that mm-hmm. someone's spirit could, in essence, like, be put into the water and live yeah. on as a form within the water. And so that's... There was something about like never swim at, only swim at night or never swim at night because then 
I think it was actually only swim at night, which is weird. I think so too, but I guess it's because like, I don't know, the spirits are settled. I can't remember what the reasoning was, but yeah, it was like only swim at night because of the, because otherwise the spirits could like inhabit you in the daytime. Yeah. It was weird. And like the, the lake is already like eerily dark. Yes. Water gets darker as it gets deeper. It's like the entire like lake was that way. Yes. Which, like, you would not catch me in that water. No. 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 And so Casey's, like, really put off by this because she obviously has a lot of trauma around her husband's death and drowning in the lake. So she kind of snaps and is, like, basically tells Eli to shut up. And he's yeah. like, okay, you know, it's this awkward moment. And kind of signaling, okay, the party's over. And then a couple minutes later, Catherine just collapses and passes out in yeah, her like, yard. She does the whole, I'm not feeling so well. And then just like mm-hmm. passes out, breaks, you know, her wine glass. Tom rushes over to her, like the picture of the concerned husband, which like never trusted him. Um, mm-hmm. And they get her home and Casey's like, oh yeah, like it's fine. I'll clean up glass like in the in the daylight where we can see. And Mm -hmm. you think that's all she wrote about the little party. Except I did like the fact that Tom forgot his second bottle of $5,000 wine. And Casey was like, finders keepers. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. That totally would have been like, well, it was my gift for not, you know, for saving. Right. Yeah. We would have all had it. But now I guess it's just me. Um, Yeah. So the next day is when Casey like officially begins spying on the Royces with her um, binoculars they were actually her husband's like bird watching binoculars and so mm-hmm. she like starts off innocently enough like oh let me look around the lake and all the fall foliage you know fall I'm not even gonna attempt to say that after the entire <laughs> breakdown we had over the summer <laughs> all oh, the fall leaves um <laughs> and uh then she it like happens to like sweep across the rice house and then oh wow like it's made of glass so she just naturally starts to spy on her neighbors um which like listen this is creepy uh-huh. and it gave me the heebie-jeebies to think about someone doing that to me but i also know like 100 percent, i would be spying on people <laughs> i am such a nosy bitch okay like i will be sitting next to people and just try to like look at their phone, see what they're texting, if it's anything scandalous. Like I know that I would be spying on people across the way. I love I, that. You're like, what's going on over here? I don't think um, I could also, help it other than I would be scared to be caught. But I Oh yeah, I know. It made me nervous every time she started watching them. Well, while she is kind of like peeping Tom. She gets a text on her phone from a number that she doesn't know. And it says, hey, it's Catherine. Sorry about last night. And she's like, that's weird. How'd she get my number? But then she's like, oh, maybe Eli gave it to her. Like, who knows? And so she texts back. She's like, it's okay. No big deal. You know, it happens to everybody. If you want, I'm out having coffee. If you want to come over and drink off your hangover. And Catherine's like, yeah, sure. I'll be right over. So Catherine comes over and they have coffee on her on Casey's back deck and kind of talk and just catch up, you know, get to know each other. Yeah. I was here for their little 
their friendship because they can relate yeah. to each other. You know, they're famous, they have money, but they're also like very lonely people. So I really, I did like their friendship. No matter they did have a how good. weird it got. <laughs> yes. And at first, Casey, I think, was nervous thinking that Catherine caught her spying, but it was. And yeah. actually, when Catherine comes over and she sees those binoculars, she's like, oh, I used to have a pair just like that. I used them for bird watching. And Casey's like, yeah, that's what my husband used them for. So they, like you said, they have a lot of things that they can bond over. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of have a normal day interaction. They go about their day and they're like, maybe we'll do this again sometime. And really, Casey's days are just marked by her drinking. Like, mm-hmm. what glass of number she's on. Yeah. And what kind of Catherine? Right. Yeah. She always has like her time of day, like aligns to what type of alcohol she's drinking. And then she'll like mm-hmm. drink some water, some coffee in the evening to then like be able to drink more at night, which is just so sad. Um, For sure. She kind of has it down to a science like that. But after Catherine leaves, um, Casey meets her temporary neighbor. His name is Boone Conrad, which is such a like hot lumberjack name. It made me 100%. laugh so hard. Um, That's a name that would fit in in Virgin River. Yes, one hundred percent. Which you know yeah. we watch that, and we are not ashamed. No. Um, but so she meets him. He's like the hot. Uh, like handyman of the family next door and you know he was fixing up their house and in exchange for the help they're letting him stay there in the off season because they only use it for the summer anyway so he comes over he flirts with her a little bit and he's like you know I just thought you might be lonely I know I'm lonely out here so like if you ever need some company just give me a call and like I swear he probably like winks at the end you know and walks Mm -hmm. away so that's your introduction to the hot neighbor, which of course you have to have one. Um, there was one in the other Riley Sager uh, novel that you we can't reviewed. have a lake house without a hot neighbor. I don't think without a hot neighbor named Boone, exactly. Yes. and he's got to wear flannel. But I immediately did not trust him. I was like, something's up with you, boy. <laughs> like I don't trust you. <laughs> See, I always felt like it was gonna be directed there but like in my heart I did trust Boone because I was like it's mm, too obvious I did not too obvious to be him that's why I was I thought it was too obvious to be Tom I was like mm, no it's too easy I yeah. even tell my friends I was like Tom looks suspicious but I'm not buying it yet like that's too easy of an explanation but we'll get there so we've met Boone. Um, she goes on and spies on them. She sees like a couple like questionable things happening over at the Roy Temple. Like Catherine was like talking on the phone to somebody, and then Tom walks in the room and she like hangs up and like sets her phone in her back pocket and acts like she wasn't talking to anyone. You know, like puts on like a bright fake smile. Um, and then you know later that night. She's on her laptop, like, in the in the office while Tom's in the bedroom. And, you know, you can, she, you know, she can see, like, her expression through the binoculars. And she looks shocked. And she kind of, like, covers her mouth in, like, a gasp. And then 
Tom walks in and she like confronts him about something and then she like slaps him across the face. Um, and then Tom like goes to bed and Catherine goes to the bathroom and is just like sit, like standing there staring at herself in the mirror. Like all these weird little glimpses into what is obviously a very unhappy marriage. And Casey kind of got those vibes from Catherine over coffee because Catherine would make little jokes about, you know, her marriage and how she was unhappy. And she even went so far as to say, like, oh, like, Tom, like, could never afford to leave me. Like, he would kill me before he left me because he needs my money. Which immediately put Casey and myself on red alert. I'm like, all right, I don't trust Tom, and I still think it's too easy of an explanation, but you've got my attention. Yes, and so... uh... It's after she witnesses, after Casey witnesses this, like, slapping domestic incident that she and Catherine were supposed to have coffee the next morning. And when she wakes up, there's no text from Catherine and no sign of her. And, like, they, their ritual had started to become, like, Catherine would come over every day at 9 or something. And nine o'clock comes and goes and there's no word from Catherine and Casey tries to text her and call her and she's not getting any response and she can't see her over there. It's like, she's just disappeared. And so Casey starts to get really worried. This whole part gave me, um, the girl on the train vibes. Did you read that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So this is what I was thinking of the whole time. Cause it's the same kind of thing where someone, slightly unhinged is watching other people and like making up their own scenarios like that and the woman in the window yeah yes um classic thriller storyline um but then casey like decides to like maybe step outside and take her boat over to see if Catherine's there when she hears a scream come from across the lake or what she thinks is a scream now, it could be, like, a wild animal. It could be anything. But she's convinced that it was, like, a person screaming. So, she's getting worried. She's, like, still calling Catherine. She's, like, even more worried now after hearing that. She's mm-hmm. calling Catherine. She's texting her. And um, she, like, ends up going over to their house. And Tom sees her coming. Like, Tom does not like her. She kind of gets that vibe from him. But he meets her outside on the back deck. And she's like, where's Catherine? Like, I'm worried about her. I haven't heard from her. And we're supposed to have coffee. And he was like, oh, she actually went back to New York. Yeah. Because the whole. Immediately suspicious. The whole time, like, concurrent with all of this, there's a bunch. There's a big talk about a really severe tropical storm coming for them. And. Catherine had mentioned how Tom was really worried about the storm and saying, we need to go back to the main, like back to the city and not be stranded out here. And Catherine was the one saying, no, we're going to be fine. It, you know, we'll just ride it out here. Well, then when Casey goes over there, Tom's like, oh yeah, she was really worried about the storm. So she just went back into the city. So Casey knows this is a lie and immediately doesn't trust him. And she's like, okay, if she went back to the city, why wouldn't she just tell me that? Like, she's not answering any of my calls or texts. Um, So at this point, like, whenever Casey gets back, she calls her best friend, 
slash editor or not editor, like PR person, manager. Yeah. Or cousin, or cousins, right? Marnie. I think they're family she... friends. Oh, well, she grew up on the lake too, so I couldn't remember. But yeah, she comes to confide in her and tell her what's going on. And she really tries to down and is like, do not get involved in this. It's not your business. Like, no reason to suspect anything's amiss. You know, how much have you been drinking? thing and she's like well why don't you like check out if you're so worried about it why don't you check out her social media see if she's posted anything like see what's going on which is funny that that never occurred to her (laughs) Casey being this like expert stalker and she never even stalked her social media right but Casey doesn't have social media yeah she doesn't think about it that way especially after all of the bad press that she like she doesn't like Mm -hmm. to look at any of it um but she does download the apps to her phone and starts looking and for Catherine's profiles. And she sees – she pulls up her Instagram and she sees a post of Catherine and it's like a picture of their New York City apartment. And it says – the caption says something like, oh, it's so good to be home. Right. So she thinks, so oh, she's okay. like, oh, she is in New York. Okay. Like, weird. Yeah. She's not responding to me, but – at least she's there. But then she, like, looks a little bit closer. Like, still after, like, not hearing back from her for several hours, she, like, goes back to the post. And she looks a little bit closer. And the calendar is on the wrong month. And when she, like, zooms in, there's, like, a tea kettle on the oven. When she zooms in, she sees Tom's reflection, not Catherine. So Tom is the one who took that picture, obviously, like a month or so before and then posted it to Catherine's Instagram to make it look like she was back in the city. Which this is, this is like next level getting crazy. And also I think I texted you at one point, like Casey's coming on a little strong for this woman that she literally just met. Yes. But she has nothing else to do. I know. But then I'm also, and even her friend was like, maybe she doesn't want to talk to you you don't know her and you need to calm down. And I was like, yes, that is some <laughs> like, good advice. Like if I double text my friends who I have strong relationships with, I don't usually oh, yeah. double text people who are actively seem to be ignoring me, you know, like, Oh yeah. I, I like quadruple text you. I'm like, she'll get to this eventually. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. But for like a random acquaintance, or a very new acquaintance, I would not do that. I would never, yeah. So, yeah, like, we have a little bit of, you know, social awareness there. Yes. Um, but Casey decides to go visit her other neighbor, um, Boone, who she may have watched Skinny Dip the other night through her binoculars. <laughs> um, she's really just getting a full show here. Um, but she's like, I'm going to go ask Boone, who lives closer to Catherine than I do to see if he heard anything this morning. And Boone also said that he heard a scream that morning. Um, and he definitely thought it was human, not like a wild animal. So the two of them kind of like team up and play detective, which is helpful because Boone used to be a police officer. Uh, Boone kind of has like a serious past. Like he used to be an alcoholic, but now he's sober and Casey found out that his wife died, and that's why, you know, since he left the force, 
and this is kind of like his new career is like fixing up the lake houses so they think that tom is acting suspicious like he goes to a hardware store and buys like a tarp and a hatchet and some rope which again like very mysterious things to buy um not incriminating but in the circumstances like yeah very weird so they contact boone's old partner and like friend uh detective wilma anson who's the detective that we first met at the very beginning of the book that was questioning casey about tom rice's whereabouts so Wilma comes over and like you know they give her all their so-called evidence right now and she's like okay like this really isn't much to go off of also like she hasn't been quote-unquote missing that long but i'll do some digging like as a favor to you boone um but like a good unreliable narrator, Casey decides to take things into her own hands and breaks into the Royce's house while Tom is out. Yeah, the next day. And this Which, part had me, like, so tense and anxious. I was also, like, sweating reading this because at this point, we're super suspicious of Tom. Like, he's acting really weird. The signs uh-huh. are pointing to him. And Casey's just like, I'm going to go break into his house. I'm like, what are you doing? He's going to chop you up I can't wait. (laughs) Crazy. But she breaks into their house and she discovers that Catherine's cell phone is hidden there in the house, like in a drawer. So obviously Catherine wouldn't go somewhere without her phone. And it, you know, couldn't have been her in the city posting that picture, which she already knew. Mm -hmm. And she see like she test calls it to make sure that it's Catherine's phone and it is and when the screen lights up she can see that there's other missed calls and messages from other numbers unknown numbers so she takes a picture i thought this was genius this was a genius detail to do she waits for the phone screen to light up and she takes a picture of it so that she can see the missed call the number that the missed call is from without touching the phone and she's like you know I'm going to figure out who that was. And then she like starts looking at some of the searches on the laptop, which she was touching that. So whatever. Um, But she looks at the search history to see what Catherine had been searching that night that she looked so shocked and scared. And she sees that there's searches about some of the, some girls that have been missing in the area and about um there's like a bunch of news articles about a man who was poisoning his wife and killing her mm-hmm. so uh, now casey's led to believe that tom is trying to poison was trying to poison Catherine, and Catherine found out about it and now he's killed her yeah and for all of casey's questionable moments which there are a lot don't get me wrong she also yeah. has those moments of brilliance. Like you said, like when that number lit up on Catherine's screen, like calling her while she was there and she took a picture of it. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. And then whenever she sees the article about the man who had slowly poisoned his wife and like his wife had similar symptoms, like like periods of no memory, like sudden weakness, unexplained like crampings and spasms, like all the stuff. Like Catherine was talking about this right before she disappeared and she remembered the broken wine glass that she had cleaned up the night after they all you know had that wine together and it was still in her trash can 
So she was able to go like collect the piece, you know, a one broken piece of glass like for Wilma to take back to um, the office and get tested. But that's after she, she escaped. escaped. Yes. Like by like oh my god, like by like the skin of her teeth. She, thank you. I cannot come up with sayings today or words. <laughs> um <laughs> I was like, my something. heart was pounding reading this. Me too. Course, I was like, get out of there. As we knew what happened, while she's up there on the laptop, she hears Tom come home. And so she has yes. to do this oh, whole heart pounding moment. sneak heart pounding maneuver to try to get out of the house without him seeing. And she is, makes a break for it to the front door at the very last minute and is able to get away because Boone has pulled up to the dock in his boat and starts like distracting Tom and keeping him outside so that Casey has time to slip outside. Bless Which Boone she, for knowing that she'd be reckless enough to try that. Yes, he feels this kind of like kindred spirit with Casey because of their shared like alcoholism and shared struggles. So he was kind of walk, keeping an eye out for her and he saw her go in a, and go over to the Royce's house and break in. And also saw Tom get home. So he like rushes over to kind of save the day. Um, yeah. Which I appreciate. So she and- tells him everything that she found. And he's like, this is all like good stuff. But also like, we can't use it in a court of law because you obtained this information illegally. Like you broke into their house. But she's like, I didn't, you know, break and enter. Like the back door was unlocked. But like, again, she did not come by this information honestly so while she's able to tell Wilma and Boone about it Wilma's like you gotta get me more like you like legal stuff and I loved at one point when Wilma was just like shut up and stop talking because anything you tell me yes that's been obtained this way I cannot use and she's like and I can't lie on the stand about not knowing it so she's like just shut up I thought that was so great like I love I love that realism of it because it's yeah. true, you know, like well, in some novels, he my favorite <laughs> for sure. In some novels, they would just be like, "Oh yeah, it all magically worked out," and this one, they're like, "No, we are going at this by the book." Um, yeah, but this is when Casey gives Wilma the glass, the piece of glass with the weird film residue, and Wilma confidentially tells. Casey that she is working on the cases of the three other women who are missing from this area. Like there's a bunch of lakes in this area and throughout the last few years several girls have gone missing and they think they're all connected and they think that Tom is one of the suspects because this is Tom and Catherine's first summer at this lake but they've been at some other lakes in the area before and it's like lined up with all of the the times that these girls have gone missing. And so Wilma's like, I, I, I don't think you're crazy, but we have to go about this the right way. Right. Uh, if we want it to stick, we need to find this. We need to go about it the right way, like you said. So yes. Wilma's working on things in the background officially. So Casey and Boone decide to team up and like, you know, watch the Royce house together and kind of figure out what happened to those girls. So Boone suggests that they go into town to 
kind of see what they can find out um, because one of the girls, like her family owned kind of like a convenience store, like a little market, uh, you know, all those vacation, small vacation towns have them and kind of see if they can gather any sort of information about one of the girls and maybe what they had seen that night that she disappeared. And unfortunately, nothing really came out of that except on the trip, you know, Boone talks to Casey, kind of shares more of his story about, like, his wife's death and how he showed up to uh, an emergency call while drunk and, like, almost shot a man, and then he got suspended, and that's how, like, he, you know, found the will to get sober, but he never went back to the force, like, the police force, because he was like, it wasn't for me, like, I, I moved on, and this is the new me, but she... You know, this is kind of like the bonding moment. You think something, well, something, something might happen, but it doesn't. Like Casey breaks the moment and she goes home and then drinks again to kind of like avoid all the memories that are coming at her of, you know, her time there with her husband, which we haven't said his name. His name was Lynn. And Mm -hmm. she kind of goes through some flashbacks of their summers there and their memories there. But that night, while drunk, of course, she's spying on the Royce's house again, of course. And when she's looking through her binoculars, she sees Tom watching her through his own pair of binoculars, which instantly gave me the chills. Oh, I can't yeah. even think about it right now. And it like it gets me creeped out. And she sees yes. him immediately like put the binoculars down, go to his car and start driving toward her house, which this is the suspected serial killer he his wife is currently missing she already didn't trust him so she like runs around her house so she has like one of the older lake houses that doesn't mean it wasn't nice they tried to Mm -hmm. make it sound like it wasn't nice but it was just older and the doors don't lock very well some of the windows don't lock but she's locking all the doors and she's turning off all the lights and then she like stands on the other side of the door when he comes up and is like beating on the door and it's like I know you broke into my home I know you're spying on me like leave us alone you don't understand what's going on here um Mm -hmm. and then he leaves and that uh this this book was like built to for the screen and yes I think it is becoming an adaptation like probably on Netflix but like oh my gosh I was so tense yes the whole time Um, I was, but then I was also, like, I just, I almost had to chuckle because I feel like it's such a drunk brain thing to do of, like, oh, he saw me spying on him. I'm going to run and turn off all the lights and act like I'm not here. It's, like, he knows you're there. He literally knows. knows He literally saw you. He literally saw you through his own binoculars. I was just, like, Casey, what are you doing? I I would have probably tried to just hightail it out of that house. But uh, yeah, but where was she gonna go? Though. Like she couldn't drive. Yeah, she, she couldn't she make it to Boone's on time. Yeah. yeah. So after this, you know, she's pretty shaken up. But now Casey's like beginning to wonder who she can trust. Well, she passes and, like, out after like, on the other side of the door, and then she wakes up to someone standing over her, being like, "Are you okay? Are you okay?" And it's Boone, and he had seen Tom come around and, like, saw this altercation. And he, like, like broke in to some side door of her house, 
picked her up, put her to bed. She wakes up the next morning and he's down there cooking her breakfast and kind of recapping everything. And so he asks yeah. her what happened. I didn't like that. Yeah. I like, didn't love that. He could just I never... get into her house and then like stayed there and was like comfortable enough to yeah. then be there when she woke up to make her breakfast. Uh-uh. Yeah. I, I did not trust ever... Boone from the beginning. And I feel like I should tell my theory soon, but we're tie this up. So we're we'll getting ever... to the part that I did not guess. I didn't ever distrust him as much as you did, but this definitely gave me like like this this makes me uncomfy um and it's at this point i think when she is telling him about what all tom said and like about the things that she saw on the phone and she's like oh yeah i forgot this other number had been calling Catherine. let's try to call it so she pulls up Mm -hmm. that picture dials the number and boone's phone rings and this is where i was like oh my gosh Mm -hmm. because boone had told casey like oh i didn't really know them you know, I'd only met them in passing and blah, blah, blah. But he obviously knew them enough to be calling Catherine. And so she's like, what the heck is going on here? So Boone's story is that he and Catherine had this like brief summer flirtation and it started out as they were just acquaintances, but then she would like swim around the lake and come over and talk to him and try to get him to do projects around their house. And, like, it always seemed like it was going to go to more, but all they ever did was just one kiss. Yeah. And Casey's like, oh, you don't believe you, but okay. Um, yeah. And she's also and she suspicious even... of. Oh, go ahead. Oh, well, she's suspicious of Boone because she had found out that his, at one point he was a suspect in his wife's death, mm-hmm. which he told Casey that she fell down the stairs while he was at work. But then Casey did some digging and an article said that he was considered a suspect at one point because there was like a, a brief window when he would could have been home at the same time as her. And so people thought maybe he pushed her down the stairs or staged her death. But it was all cleared up when one of his colleagues like personally vouched for him. And that colleague yeah. was Wilma. And so now Casey's yeah. like, I don't trust nobody initially calls Wilma with this information and like that she suspects Boone but Wilma was basically like I'm gonna stop you right there Boone would not do this he is not a suspect like don't go down this road again if you want me to help you so Casey feels like very alone and abandoned with what she thinks is going on and I'm gonna just insert what I thought was going on I feel like it's appropriate because it's all just gonna kind of get crazy from here on out so Right after this moment, you kind of go to one of the present moment flash forwards. I don't know what you want to call it, but um, it's when she's with the man in her room that she has tied up to the bed. And this entire time you're reading like the present day moments with the guy that she has bound up, there's never a name. And it's just, he looks, he looked at me, he gave me a smile, like always just he. So I had been thinking it was Boone. It was not Tom time that was bound up in her room because not only did he do something to Catherine he had killed those other three girls that they went digging for information because one big thing about is they like to return to the scene of the crime they want to see the effects that they've had on people 
So I thought that was Boone's way of like, oh, let's go talk to their families and see if they know anything because it gave him satisfaction. Nobody knew that he did it and he could go back to all these places and nobody would suspect him of a thing. So that's why I thought it was Boone. Which is so eerie. Like, isn't it? Like, just that, like, little extra, like, let's go visit the scene of the crime. Maybe I've watched too many, like, (laughs) crime documentaries, but, or Mindhunter. Here's a little Netflix amazing show. Maybe I've watched too much of that, but yeah, that's immediately what I thought. Now, disclaimer from the very beginning of the episode, I was obviously wrong. That was going to be too easy. But that's what I was thinking. And I was so proud when I texted you. Like <laughs> You were so proud. Let it be known, I guess. But, you know, the whole twist. And I did not. I got Which way ahead of myself. totally opposite of what I guessed. Like, the first theory I texted you was that Tom was the one who killed all the girls. And that uh-huh. Catherine, like, knew about it. So he's going to text her, kill her. And then my other theory was that I thought maybe, like, Tom and Casey were hooking up on the DL because she is an unreliable narrator Mm -hmm. and they were, they were plotting together to kill Catherine so that they could be together, which it was neither of those either. But I just love how we had completely different theories. And then once I knew like that your OG theory was wrong, I just started spitballing. Just wild, wild theories. It was hilarious to hear. And none of them were right. (laughs) Like none of them were right. You have to like think. Like you have to think so outside the box with this author's twist. Like it's insane. And I will never. I don't think I'll ever be able to guess them. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to (laughs) try. No. Now you know. You just have to like whatever seems logical. Just take it five steps forward. And maybe you'll get it. <laughs> yeah. Or what, what so, seems illogical, maybe. But. Exactly. Which is how this is. Because we are now getting down to the big twist, everybody. Um, so Casey, again, feels abandoned. She can't trust Boone. She doesn't trust Tom. Um, she doesn't trust Wilma because she vouches for Boone. And I'm. she doesn't. She's, like, hesitant to get Eli involved, which I agree because I thought this whole time she was going to get Eli killed because she was going to bring to help See, her. See, that was and, my like, other theory was like I thought Eli was going to come out as... I thought he like, was innocent the whole time. The underdog and that he was going to be actually a killer because he's so like unassuming and quiet. I don't know. Yeah, it's the quiet one. Yeah, but... As this tropical storm is rolling in, it's really setting the scene, you know, sheets of rain, all this stuff. She sees Tom go to one of the abandoned houses in the neighborhood. Uh, You know, just like the family's not there for the summer anymore, or since that summer is over. And she follows him in. He's like going in with like a thermos of soup and like a water bottle or something. So she follows him over there and down into the basement, which is like you access the basement by like this hidden door and she sees there's like a new lock that has been added on. So mm-hmm. suspicious, but she also is starting to have hope that Catherine might actually be alive since he's taking like food and water over there. So she walks down the stairs into the basement and she finds Catherine tied up to a bed and now knows that Tom is holding her captive, but Tom 
tells Casey, like, Kathleen's not herself. Like, don't believe anything she said. Like, don't get too close to her. I think she's been possessed by somebody else. And Casey's like, all right, I know I'm supposed to be the crazy one here, but, like, you were truly out of your mind in this moment. And Casey is like, do you mind if I talk to Catherine alone? And Catherine, like, looks at her and was like, hey, see, like, it's me. And she's like, what, like, what do you mean? First of all, like, her nickname from her deceased husband was C and she's like why do I feel like I'm talking to him and he's like because it's me see like it's Lynn and the whole like folklore spooky ghost story of the lake spirits inhabiting other people is true because her dead husband Lynn has taken over the body of Catherine when she drowned in the lake and Casey mm-hmm. saved her. She came back because it was the spirit of Lynn in Catherine's body. This was nuts. But just take a moment for that to sink in because I was reading on my couch and I was like, what is happening here? And I was texting you. I was like, Nope, I was wrong. I was so wrong. I was wrong about the twist, and I cannot believe it. Like, this is insane. And Casey is thinking the exact same thing. She's like, but, like, it's his mannerism. It's, like, his speech patterns. And so Tom, like, goes upstairs. He's like, I'll give you five minutes alone. And the twist keeps on coming, guys. She goes, Mm -hmm. all right, like, if you're really Lynn because she doesn't believe it at this point. She's like, tell me one thing that only you and I would know. And so Catherine slash Lynn looks at her and he said, you killed me. Which I liked that twist. And I, after that, I was like, okay, it makes sense to me. I feel like I should have guessed that earlier. That Casey murdered Lynn because she only yeah. had like the good memories they were so happy la 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 like going on about like how sad she was with adam and like her s- very quick spiral yeah yes it made sense. yeah i was like she I was feeling guilt yes i should have picked up on that which we'll f- come to discover is not guilt for well the reason we think we are but like I did not love the twist of the spirit element to this. But they're always weird. Like, his twists are always so weird. So I this know, one but fit. it pissed me off. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like it, like, this one was weirder than the Black Market Organ one to me. Like, I could... Really? I that yeah. was really, really weird. It was really weird. This but one was, like, like, at least there was the backstory of the you know the spirits in the lake but i feel like as far as realism like i i listen i'm not here for realism (laughs) well i am when i read thrillers like i was so (laughs) invested in finding the serial killer and who it was gonna be and i didn't want it to be natural thing gets thrown in there and i just couldn't handle it but i also Mm -hmm. feel like if i found out that the government or really high ranking 
powerful people were running a black market organ ring, I like in today's world, I'd be like, okay, it's You're like, not that surprised. Tracks. <laughs> that tracks. That tracks. Everything... Moving to Canada. <laughs> yeah, corrupt. I understand, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe one day I'll say this tracks too. That a spirit has inhabited someone else. But yeah, you never know. Just don't go swimming def- in lakes, right? Don't go chasing waterfalls. (laughs) That should have been my board quote. Dang it. (laughs) Oh, you still have time. (laughs) That's so funny. So now, like, we're getting the full story of Lynn and Casey and what happened with them. And it's sad because they were truly the happy couple. Mm-hmm. That Casey had hinted at for so long until one morning they're at the lake house and Lynn is upstairs like cooking breakfast or dinner and he says, go find me a lighter. I want to light some candles. So I guess it was dinner and she can't find the normal one. And he's like, well, there's one downstairs with my fishing stuff. So she goes downstairs, opens up the tackle box Finds the lighter, but also tucked in the tackle box, finds bound up three driver's licenses with three locks of hair, mm. which this just gives me the ick so bad oh, right now. GBGBs. And she's flipping through the licenses and she recognizes the names and they're the missing girls who have been going missing each summer. And so her heart just drops and she starts freaking out obviously she starts Mm -hmm. searching um she's trying to figure out how this could be possible because she's like we're together whenever we're up here like when could he do this and she starts thinking back to when all these girls went missing and she even like makes calls while she's down there because all of the dates of these disappearances lined up for times that they were not together because lynn had supposedly had to go to la for work Mm -hmm. and so she like calls one of the hotels and they're like yeah he had a reservation but he never showed up and she's piecing it all together that he had been lying to her and saying he was going on business trips and really he was coming back to these lakes to murder these girls and so her world is just completely rocked and now she's terrified and scared of her own husband and so i can't believe how well she kept it together though when she went back upstairs Yes, but I also loved when she's like, I am an actress and I played the role of my lifetime by pretending to keep my cool and act like nothing had happened. But then she's also like, did he send me to find these? Because he sent me down here to look for this. Like, he must have known I would find it. He knew where they were. So icky. But she's also thinking about one detail that we forgot to mention was that her play that she had been doing was about a woman Mm -hmm. who starts poisoning her husband and is accused of poisoning her husband. Or she's no, the woman suspects her husband of poisoning her. Yeah. So Casey draws some real life inspiration and poisons Lynn drugs him with some wine and, and antihistamines. Yeah. And, Push it, takes him out late at night on the boat and pushes him overboard and he mm-hmm. drowns. And that's how it happened. It wasn't the accidental drowning like everyone thought that it was. Um, yeah. Because she, she thinks like, that she's 
she covers up what she did by like going back to the house like getting all this fishing gear putting it in the boat and then like kind of pushing the boat out into the lake to like yeah drift and make it look like he just went swimming or went fishing in the morning and had an accident and drowned yes and she hides like the driver's license and IDs mm-hmm. and she takes them out of the tackle box and hides them. So she covers up her part of it, but she's like, okay, we're getting justice because he's dead and he won't kill anyone else. But her real mm-hmm. guilt this whole time has been stemming from the fact that she robbed these families of closure because this whole time, like no one suspected Lynn. And so mm-hmm. the police are still searching for these missing bodies and they're still trying to figure out what happened to these girls and Casey knows, but she can't tell the police that she knows without incriminating herself. So she's right. felt but so she doesn't guilty. know where they are. Yes. And she's felt so guilty about robbing the families of justice that that's why she's been drinking so much. Yes. And she actually at one point sends Wilma and the, the, the police department like this postcard, which Wilma had earlier in the book. Um, and it's a postcard of Lake Green, which is where they are, and in like this scratchy, almost illegible, like handwriting, it says, "Like I think they're here," and then like the list of the three girls who had been killed over those summers. And it turns out that Casey sent that to her, like wrote like with her left hand, mailed it from somewhere in New York, like completely untraceable and an attempt to like get the cases going again because they were you know cold cases um but now she's like this is my chance to find those girls and bring the family some peace so she unties lynn slash catherine um they fight Mm -hmm. past tom they lock tom in the basement and that's when casey like drags lynn back to her home and ties him up like on her childhood bed and like starts her interrogation and this is now like back to present day like this is where we've been flashing forward to so she's determined to find out where he's buried his victims and at one point she makes a deal that if Lynn shows her like where the bodies are Casey's gonna release them because you know it's kind of the perfect situation like Lynn Mm -hmm. has come back as a whole new person um and can live his life as Catherine uh, mm-hmm. but also Casey is sacrificing Catherine because Catherine did like die that day when she drowned and Lynn was able to take over but Lynn hints at the fact that there's some part of Catherine still in there like fighting against him so they make that deal and then like this part gave me the chills she mm-hmm. like goes downstairs to like get something oh the get sorry, coffee the power goes out well yeah oh, but yeah. the power goes out um because of the storm so she like goes through the house like lighting candles getting flashlights and lantern all right like everything's good like let's continue this conversation but when she gets back to the room lynn is gone Oh, talk about the chills. I was like, yeah, that was reading this that night at home alone. And I was like, oh, no, (laughs) this is not good. Um, So true, like horror movie moment there, because now she's like 
creeping through the house with, you know, her candle, trying not to make a noise, looking around, you know, every corner, every closet, under every bed, looking for Lynn because she's determined that, you know, all the doors are still locked. So Lynn must be inside with her. And while she's creeping around, all of a sudden, all the lights come back on and she turns around and Lynn is there with a knife, like charging at her. So Ugh. she's fighting him. I know. She's fighting him and struggling against him. Like, it seems like she's about to lose and in her life when all of a sudden he's like, the knife is like yanked out of his hand. And he's like pulled off her very roughly. And it's Eli, my favorite, uh, <laughs> my man coming through. Eli had come to check on her during the storm and he like heard, you know, the sounds of their fight. So he like came in and pulled Lynn slash Catherine off of her. And now Casey has to tell Eli what's going on. She's basically like, yeah, you know that like scary story you told us? It's true. And this is my favorite part because Eli is like, that tracks. It's weird. I know. He just totally... It's like, yeah, I mean, it was my story. I believed it. Right. Yeah, like, Animal nobody animals. believed me? <laughs> no questions. Yeah. It was just like, I know you gotta do what you gotta do. Like, she told him everything about Lynn and about the girls, so she's like, I want to get Lynn to tell me where the girls are, um, and then, you know, we have to do this my way. So, the next morning, the storm is blown over, and Casey, like, takes Lynn out to the boat so he can tell her girls are, and Eli's like, and you promised you're going to come back, right? Which, of course, I mean, it was kind of obvious to me, I don't know about you at this point, that Casey was going to sacrifice herself. For sure. And, like, take Lynn into her, which is gross, but I guess not totally apparent to Eli yet. But they go out on the lake, and Lynn shows her where he buried the girls in the middle of Lake Green. Like, there's this old, like, tree trunk that just, like, juts out of the water. And they called it Old Stubborn because it's been there for years and years, like, as long as any family has been there. And he had, like, weighted their bodies down and buried them by, like, Old Stubborn, essentially. Which this, like, was chilling. And this also makes me want yeah. to never swim in a lake again. Like, I know oh, that no. there's no, ma'am. probably gross things and dead bodies in lakes. And I've always just, like, dissociated from that when I've been in a lake. Mm-hmm. But after reading this book, like, I don't think I can. <laughs> I don't think I can do it. No. But then Casey, um, like you said, is, like, wanting to sacrifice herself to try to save Catherine. And so she kisses Lynn slash Catherine and starts to like pull Lynn's soul out of Catherine and into herself and once that's done Catherine's like back to her normal self and Lynn's spirit is now inside Casey Mm -hmm. and Catherine's like what the heck's going on and she's like didn't she say like tell them she kind of gives Catherine really quick instructions. Like, I've only got a minute before he takes over. And she ties the anchor to herself and jumps in the water. And she's like, I'm just going to drown both of us. And we'll both be mm-hmm. gone and stuck in the lake. And so that's the plan. But Catherine, in a big old full circle moment, jumps in and saves her. And 
saves Casey. But, but Lynn has already, like, left her body at that Yes. Point. Lynn's already, like, back in the water and the spirit. Like, his spirit is back in the water. But I loved that after this happens and they both get on shore and Casey's like, oh, what happened? And Catherine goes, I think you almost drowned. And it was just perfect of what, yes. like, a mirror bookend of how their relationship started. I thought that was so clever. Um, I love a full circle moment. Yes. And so we think everything is all fine and hunky-dory. Lynn's back in the water where he belongs. Catherine's back to her normal self. Casey's her normal self. Everything's going great. Um, Casey ends up confessing about Lynn's crimes to Wilma and -hmm. tells her where the bodies are buried. And they share this sweet moment where they're, like, in the boat. And Casey's real particular, like, wear your life jacket. You can't go in there you know yeah no no mishaps possible and she shows her where she's burying or where the bodies were dumped and Wilma says something like kind of like skirting around of how she knew all of this yeah but she Casey like she won't say like my dead husband's spirit told me all of this so she's like huh kind of a shame that he drowned on accident right and yep. Casey's like, yeah, it was a shame. And Wilma's like, hmm, well, I guess if there was any chance it wasn't an accident, it's just too late now. Casey's like, yeah, yeah, I guess it is. Like, Wilma knows that it probably wasn't an accident that he drowned. Wilma knows and she I did just, it. Yeah. Yeah. I just love that little, like, we're, we're saying but we're not saying moment. Yeah. Wilma's still playing the cop and, like basically says I'm not gonna look into this because it's too late now it's let let's let right. bygones be bygones and we'll move he's like he's gone and that's all that matters <laughs> yeah um he got what was coming to him yeah so Casey is finally like feeling better she's absolved herself of the guilt of never giving the families of these girls closure and she's kind of absolved herself of the whole Tom or not Tom Lynn situation um but she still realizes like why she still has lingering bad feelings about Catherine's whole situation like how did she almost drown to allow Mm -hmm. Lynn to come into her body and that's when Mm -hmm. she remembers um the wine glass and the the weird film on the wine glass that Catherine had been drinking and how Catherine said, she's like, yeah, I was swimming like normal. And then it was like, my muscles just gave out and I don't know what happened. And I felt really tired. And so she realizes that she thinks Tom was still trying to kill Catherine this whole time. And this just got derailed by the lens. She like calls Wilma to check in on like the results of the testing. And at that moment, Tom, like, sneaks up behind her and tries to kill her because he knows that she's still on to him. Yes. And he, like, had come quietly across the lake in his boat. And so they start fighting and Casey's trying to wrestle him off. And Tom dies while in the lake. But, of course, opens his eyes and comes back because he's repossessed by Lynn and won't go away. Lynn truly Lynn says something like oh I'm back again or you know 
can't get rid of me so quickly. And Casey's like, yes, I can. And then she takes, she takes the $5,000 bottle of wine <laughs> and smashes yes. it and makes it a, like a jagged edge and kills mm-hmm. Lynn within Tom's body on land for the final time. And so now, yeah, she can. like makes sure to drag him out of the water. Yes. Which yes. I love. It was so good. She was yes. like, we're officially done now. <laughs> Yes, it's all over. It's like that moment in the horror movie when you think the guy, the bad guy's gone, and then he does the like jump scare. Yes, that's exactly what happened. You're like, oh, everything's like good to go. Why is there so much left in this book? (laughs) Yes, and then it's like another twist. Like it was Tom the whole time trying to kill Catherine, but he was hiding behind this whole like possession thing. Um, Yes, and. Then, like, in the final bit, you know, like, several months have gone by. Casey is, like, living in the lake house full-time. She's sober. She's in a relationship with Boone Conrad. Um, mm-hmm. And she's Love surrounded it. by her family and her friend, Catherine, there. I think they, like, live together, essentially. She sold the lake house yeah. that she and Tom had. But she yes. kind of goes back and forth between the city because she talks about what happened to her, you know, she's like female, she's, you know, empowerment. Um, but then she lives also with Casey in the old lake house and, you know, they're kind of rebuilding their lives together. And I love their friendship still. Like, yes, they definitely went through a unique experience. Um, <laughs> they're a little bit trauma bonded. But... They're trauma bonded for sure. But it's it was just nice to see like Casey kind of like moving forward with her life surrounded by these people yes and getting sober and I loved that she and Boone were having a little thing yes so it was cute it all wrapped up very nicely even though it took a weird hard left turn into Randoville oh yeah it came back around yes so that's the house across the lake (laughs) yes it's definitely a good fast-paced thriller because I devoured this book. Like, once I got hooked, I just had to know what was going to happen. I had to know. I ca- I stayed up so late sometimes reading this book so that I could get to the bottom of it. And it did not yes. disappoint. Despite the, yeah, out of left field uh, twist. But I still thought it was cool. It was a good twist. Yes. It was definitely unexpected. I love when they can surprise me like that. Um, so highly recommend this for spooky season. It's set in the fall. There's a thriller, there's a horror, there's a supernatural, kind of like everything Mm -hmm. you want around this time of year. It does have a little bit of everything. It's perfect. Yeah. A good, good one to start off spooky season with. Absolutely. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this book. If you have read it or have any other good spooky season recommendations, you can always find us over on Instagram at Life and Lit Pod. Drop us some comments. Drop us some suggestions. That's where we're going to post the rest of our lineup for October. So be sure to check out, check us out over on Instagram. You can send us an email at lifeandlitpod at gmail.com. And as always, be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you listen to because that really helps get our name out there um, and share any episodes with any book-loving friends that you have. And we will be back next week with another great fall 
vibe book. I'm so excited. We said this like a million times, but I really do think we have a great October lineup. So yes, this is my favorite lineup we've ever had, including last October. I'm that excited about talking about these. I, I agree. So we'll leave you on that cliffhanger. And until next time, happy reading. Happy reading.